Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So we had part one last week, um, and what I did is I looked at, in Matthew 24, Jesus lays out a number of what he calls sorrows as we begin to enter the tribulation time toward the end of the age. And so we're going to do, part two is the next section of scripture, verses 15 to 28. And so... Just a quick backstory. When the disciples start to hear Jesus make mention of, hey, there, you know, there's going to come a day where the temple's destroyed, and, and he starts to make these claims, and they're kind of like, what is what? And they go, so, so Lord, tell us if this is going to happen, tell us what are the signs. We want a heads up. And so Jesus goes into this uh, end-of-the-age sermon, which is Matthew 24. And if you look at the notes from last week, I have a whole bunch of other verses. Three of the four Gospels have his end-of-the-age sermon. And, and there's many dozens of chapters about the end of the age uh, throughout Scripture. In fact, I, I've heard there's like 150-plus of the chapters of the Bible are about the end of the age. But uh, Jesus, in three of the Gospels, uh, has... They're all similar, but there's slight variations. He begins to answer the question, here's what's going to happen as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord. And there's an intensity to it. And there's a, there's a, there's a shock value to his message. And so I've got a whole bunch of qualifiers there. One of the things, he's not trying to scare us. But he is trying to prepare us because there is going to be a generation that see, literally lives through what he's describing. And he wants that people to be prepared. You know, I think to myself, if I had to go into what he's talking about totally blind, I'd be shocked. But if I know in advance a little bit what's going to happen, I'd be, oh, okay, he said this is going to happen and it's happening. We can, we can endure it. And uh, I I have somewhere here on my notes. Imagine this. Imagine at the beginning of 2019, this is before the pandemic, this is before the presidential transition, this is before a lot of things began to happen. What if in the very beginning of of 2019, someone prophesied and said, there's going to be a pandemic, there's going to be a pretty volatile presidential transition, there's going to be social unrest with the, you know, the racial thing is going to uh, get intense with the George Floyd situation. There's going to be war in Ukraine. If someone were to say that in 2019, first of all, you'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but then if you saw it happen, you'd go, oh, that, that guy's a real prophet. But you'd go, wow, I can, I can kind of manage because someone told us and it's happening. 
Now, that's a, sort of a bad analogy, but, but Jesus, the greatest prophet ever, I mean, this is better than Samuel. This is better than Elijah and Elisha put together. What he said is for sure going to happen. It's for sure. All of history is moving toward what he's describing. There's no greater historian. There's no one with greater insight, no one with greater cultural insight than what he's saying here. All of the things we see happening in the earth from social unrest to war and rumors of war, all these things, the, the pestilence, uh, another word for pestilence is, is essentially pandemic. It's a, it's a global viral pandemic is what he's talking about. It's going to escalate more and more. And so we have to understand, we can't like rebuke what he said is going to happen. It, it will unfold and we have to learn how to do ministry, how to do life, how to love the lost, knowing this is coming. Some people take the approach of, well, it's probably going to be way out there. Don't take that approach because it might not be way out there. It could be our generation. It could be our kids. It could be us. We don't know. Uh, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hours. It could come quick. It could delay, but I'm setting my heart. It, if it's, it could be soon. It could be, like I said, I don't, you know, there was one of the kings in Israel's history. I can't remember exactly who it was, but he prayed and the Lord said, okay, I'll spare you, but not your kids. And the king was like, good, it's not going to hit me. <laughs> It was like totally the wrong response. It's like, no, you can't just kick the can down to your kids and watch them get totally destroyed. So I want me to be prepared, us to be prepared, our children, our grandchildren, or maybe their kids, or again, could be us, will really see these things. And why do I point this out? Because we're already starting to see what it's like when uh, a global pandemic layered on top of war in the earth, layered on top of volatile political transitions, layered on top of social unrest, we see what that does, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to, to people. We see what that creates. It creates offense. It creates uh, troubled hearts. People are afraid. It does things. And Jesus says, this is, I mean, this is real life, but it's also kind of a dry run because it will only escalate more and more. Imagine many pandemics happening. Imagine, you know, many wars. Imagine, you know, many, we're going to talk about some of these things tonight, many false Christs, all layered on top of one another, all intensifying. Then the Lord comes after that. So, there's good reason why he gives us a heads up because it's, it's, it's not, I said this last week, I'll say it again, it's not going back to normal. I mean, I so want normal life. Like, you know, you remember the 80s and 90s? I grew up, you know, I was a little kid in the 80s and kind of came of age in the 90s, but it just seemed like everybody was a little more carefree. Uh, no one had smartphones. No one was arguing on Twitter all day. Like, like we just literally, I remember we would go visit my cousins in the Chicago area and we'd literally just play tag. You know, we'd run around. <laughs> it was just so different back then. Now we just kind of sit at a table on our phones and we don't look at each other and it's like, what happened? It's just the world's shifting and changing and I, you know, I'm, I don't want to be like a boomer yet. <laughs> Sound like I'm getting there fast, but I mean, just... Things are changing. It was so much easier back then. 
But it's never, it's like never going to go back to that. It's only going to get more difficult to be a believer. It's only, there's only going to be more pressure. There's only going to be more cameras watching everybody. And, oh, we got to cancel that guy because look what he did. It's on camera. And there's, it's just going to get more intense. This is a sidebar. This is not on the notes. If you really want to see, I mean, if you want a real close-up of where things are going, watch a documentary on, on what China is doing with the Uyghur community, the Uyghur Muslim community, the surveillance state happening, and the, the mass genocide, the mass incarceration of a religious group. It is unbelievable and that's where it's all it's it's all going that direction in the world before the the lord returns the uyghur muslim population look it up watch a couple documentaries on it they say that it has not been since the holocaust where a religious group has been confined and murdered solely because of who they are as a religious people china's doing that right now they built 1200 prisons and just basically took anybody that's a Uyghur Muslim and said, go there, we want to recondition you until you believe what we believe. And if you don't like it, we'll kill you. I mean, it's, it's happening right now in real life. And they estimate, um, gosh, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to say the number, but it's a huge number. And they have cameras everywhere. And it's, anyway, it's going here, gang. This is, this is the, the world is going to get more and more Intense, And I don't say this again. I don't say this to freak us out. I don't say this to scare us. Jesus wants to prepare us to endure the pressures that are coming. Okay? You know, I, 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 want, I want peace. I want easygoing life. I want, you know, blessing and all these things. And, and there's measures of that. But man, I don't want to be responsible for helping people put their head in the sand. When all these things are happening in the earth, we have to look at them and go, this is starting to sound like what Jesus said. Now, certainly we've had world wars before. There's been more intense things that have happened in world history. Lots starting to happen, and it's starting to almost feel like, man, this is high-pressure stuff. This is starting to have a vibe of what Jesus is talking about. And if it only gets more intense, we need to be prepared. I have this personal conviction, no one asked, but I have this personal conviction that the parts of the church that are ignoring what Jesus said are going to get less and less relevant because people are going to start saying it's hard. Like this triumphalism type of we're just going to be blessed and rich and happy. How do, how do you explain all the war and the famine and what's going on in Somalia and Yemen and China? And who has answers for The church has to be able to say, Jesus prophesied, this is happening. This is going to happen. And so we, got, we, we just have to be more, we got to say, what Jesus said, we got to go with it. Anyway, way ahead of myself. Let's go to the passage specifically that Jesus uh, talks about here. I want to read through it. And then I just want to make a couple comments. So that was, that was all kind of an intro, sorry. Let's look at the verses, uh, verses 15 to 28 of Matthew 24. Again, we're picking up kind of like, this is like two, part two of, of three or four 
you know, one fourth of the sermon he gave last week. This is part, like sermon part two, and then there's a few more after that we'll get to. But it picks up, uh, he, he mentions the abomination of desolation. Okay, I'm not going to get into the, the nitty gritty here. This is going to be a real high level, but this is where he picks up. He says, uh, verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, at a very high level, this is a reference to the Antichrist. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not, uh, uh, him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the sabbath for then there will be great tribulation it's very important to know that jesus gave this time period a title he said it will be great tribulation he said that such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. The greatest tribulation in the history of the earth is what he's saying. This is very, this is really going to happen. And I just, we got to be prepared. This is coming. Uh, so the, 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 this, it's going to happen like has not happened since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. I think that's an important verse. I am telling you before it happens so that you can prepare. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the deserts, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Amen. A couple things here. Again, I don't want to go too much past midnight. Of all the tribulations Jesus had just gotten done talking about, he doubles down on a couple of them specifically. So Jesus, if you remember Matthew 1, they say, hey, Lord, what's the, you know, tell us the signs. And he says, make sure you're not deceived. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's six or seven categories that I covered last week. Two of them, he repeats himself. And so those two, you can be sure. He's kind of like saying, okay, here's the list. These are like the beginning of the beginning. But then as we move closer to the end and the Antichrist is ruling and reigning and doing his thing and demanding to be worshipped, there's going to be a real need to understand these two challenges. I have it written here in letter A. He doubles down and says... Again, he says this earlier and he says it again. He says there will be false Christs and there will be false prophets. He says it in verses 1 through 14. He says it again here. And I, and I 
I have all this information on my notes from last week, but I'm, I just actually want to point this out. Because whenever I teach on this stuff, I don't know where anybody's at. And I hesitate to share these things, but it, I have to be a faithful messenger. I have to preach the Bible. This is, I mean, I kind of joke sometimes if, if Jesus came to our church and said this, I think people would leave the church because they're just like, what? This is weird. This is not what I heard when I went to church. But we have to go with what he said. He said there will be false Christs and false prophets. Those are warnings that he repeated. False, what's a false Christ? What is that? Well, like I said last week, this is someone who literally claims to be Jesus himself. Jesus says there will be false Christs or false messiahs. The problem at the end of the age won't be false Krishnas. It won't be false Buddhas. It won't be false Muhammads and all of the other religions. There will be people claiming, I'm Jesus and I am the second coming. And this has happened for 2,000 years, but it's only growing. And so I said last week, if you don't believe me, Google it. And I even, I attached some, some articles. But I've got an article here. Seven men around the world who each claim to be Jesus Christ. This was an article done five years ago by the New Zealand Herald, or the New Zealander. They're doing some faithful reporting <laughs> in New Zealand. There are so many people claiming to be Jesus that are alive right now. And it's only going to get more confusing. So I'm just going to read a few of these. Um, the article says this, at least seven men around the world claim to be Jesus Christ reincarnated and many have a following of devoted believers. From a retired Siberian traffic cop named Vissarion to a cross-dressing former British spy, David Shaler, these men all claim to be the son of God. Jesus of Kitwa, Zambia, the taxi driver. Um, there is Henri Cristo from Brazil. The, this is real. Um, I'm just going to go Henri Cristo of Brazil. Um, mostly female followers dressed in blue robes. He's a self-appointed Messiah. He, he has taken the initials I-N-R-I. Um, Moses Hilanwane of South Africa. He lives in a compound with his disciples. These are all men who say David Shaler of England, Matayoshi Mitsuo of Tokyo. Politics didn't work out, so he became Jesus. Okay, it's now what's it that's hilarious to us? We're like, how could anybody? They have huge followings. Huge. Why is that? Bupete Chibu of Zambia. People are so desperate. I mean, they'll, they'll believe a false Christ. Alan John Miller and his wife, he claims to be Jesus and she claims to be Mary Magdalene. This is real. I don't know if, you're, if you can see this on Facebook. Um, I would guess there's probably dozens more that we don't know about. But there could be hundreds right now. But when you're living somewhere, I mean, especially second, third world, where there's poverty, crime, corruption, people want hope so desperately they'll believe anything. And if someone has a little bit of charisma, 
little bit of influence, maybe a little more educated than others. They can manipulate, they can coerce, they can do all sorts of things. One of them runs his compound on people's welfare checks. So he's, he's taking advantage of so many people. I, I wish this wasn't reality, but, but we as the church who have sort of a sense about us and a little, I think a little bit, we have to understand this is real and we're going to meet people who believe in, who might be believing in stuff like this and we've got to help them. There's one Jesus. He has not come back yet. He's going to come back in the sky like lightning. There will be no mistaking the real Jesus. What I find interesting is Jesus actually gives a little bit of like a narrative. He says, here's what people are going to say. He's out in the desert. He's in the room. And I think all of those are worth thinking about. There's going to be such a desperation as we get closer and closer to his return. There's going to be all these made-up scenarios and all these false Christs. And, and so part of enduring is, is resisting this notion that he's maybe secretly out there somewhere and we miss the second coming. Just like you can't miss the sun coming up in the morning, you, you can't miss the creator coming back, okay? You can't miss the son of... It will be a celestial event like nothing in history. It won't be like, oops, he's out in the wilderness. Let's go out there. No, that's a false Christ. This... This really will be a major ordeal because people will be so hopeless. There will be so much war, so much famine. Every humanitarian organization will be maxed out. There will be so so much propaganda. There will be so many uh, things going on. But the church will have a spirit of revelation. The church will have understanding. The church will be loving people like no time in history. We will have discernment. We will have taken these words seriously and be prepared. We will be calling people out of it, but we have to know this is going to be like a, a fog or like a cloud on the earth. People will be confused for real. So we have to get out of the confusion. We have to know the truth so we, we know it's coming and we can help people. I have met all sorts of different people who believe all sorts of weird things throughout my time of following the Lord. You probably have too. I've had the Jehovah's Witness come to my door. I've had all, all kinds of conversations with... And here's the thing. We, there's only one real Jesus, right? <laughs> and we don't need to add anything to him. He is sufficient. Anybody that claims he's come back or anybody that claims, yeah, Jesus is good and the Bible's good, but there's this other guy and this other book. Eh, throw it out. You need the Bible and you need the Jesus of the Bible. You need nothing else. And he didn't sneak past us. <laughs> he's not, he's not, oh, he's not in the Civic Center tonight. I've, I've just heard some really strange things. We got to get this. Jesus repeated himself. There really will be. It's like, I imagine if I was in the inner 12 and he said there's going to be fake Jesuses, I'd be like, what? Who's going to believe this? There's going to be people, there's going to be, you know, false prophets a little more palatable. It's almost like he's saying it twice so that we kind of go, maybe he really is serious and we should pay attention to that. They're on the earth today. They have huge followings. They're posting on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. They're saying things that sound good but lead you astray. They're every, I mean, and it's only going to get more confusing. Now, 
I'm not trying to discourage us. I'm not trying to weigh us down. I just want us, I, I believe the truth sets us free. And so if we know the truth, there's actually greater freedom. To not say these things, to not wrestle with them, I think hurts us and leads other people, um, uh, you know, we can't help others if we don't know these things. The other thing he said, besides false Christ, there would be false prophets. We understand that a little easier. False prophets have existed throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, and they're everywhere today. And again, I don't want to make this a big downer, but I feel a sense of responsibility. I have seen the false prophetic explode in the last number of years. And maybe you have too, and maybe you're like, what do I even do? I like this guy. He said so many things that are so wrong. What do I do with that? Love that guy, but stop listening to him, okay? That's how you, if someone consistently says false things, claiming to be a prophet or claiming to have a prophetic anointing, and they consistently say things that do not happen or do not line up or aren't biblical, I would urge you not to listen to them. It has nothing to do with wanting you to listen to me it has nothing to do with, I want you to understand, if you listen to that year after year after year, you'll be confused. And you won't know what's real because you've spent so long listening to stuff that's not real, you'll, you'll just live in like, oh, I don't even know what to believe anymore. There aren't as many prophets, I don't think, as we really think there are. I mean, there's so many people that claim, I'm a prophet and this is going to happen. Um, I used an example, I can't remember, there was someone, there was this mathematician like 15, 20 years ago that made huge headlines, and he said, I have done all these biblical calculations, and the end of the world is going to be, you know, 2005, April 3rd at 4.15 in the afternoon, and I had friends that really believed it, like, we're like, what do we do? And I'm like, guys, no one knows the day or the hour. Like, not even, G- like, it says only the Father. Like, why, why would we, you, you know, but it really confuses people. And then it's like, they're watching their clock. Oh, it's 4.14. What's going to happen? Oh, 4.15. Oh, maybe it's a minute late, 4.16. And then a day goes by, then a month goes by. Oh, what, what, what was that? The, the guy was a false prophet. Jesus said there'd be so many of them. And here's the thing that irks me because I feel like I'm pouring into people. I'm trying to help people understand a few people that I influence. They buy into it. Now they're hurt. This guy is nowhere to be seen. He just disappears. No apology, no nothing. And thank the Lord there was not YouTube back then. But now with social media, there's, there's messages, prophecies, predictions, pronouncements, all these things flying everywhere. And many of them will say false things and never apologize or never. And so just as a general rule of thumb, if someone is consistently saying, this is going to happen and it doesn't happen. Um, poor Zeke. I would just say for your own spiritual health, Love you, bro. I'm going to tune out for a while until you take care of whatever's going on there. If I start saying things consistently that aren't in the Bible, tune me out. I mean, it, this is just go with what's in the Bible. Go with what's real. Go, if someone, 
has the gumption to stand up and say, I'm a prophet, here's what's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, you, you, over one. And if you're over two, over three, over four, over, in the Old Testament, you're dead. <laughs> We're more, way more gracious in the New Testament. Praise God. But I think what's happening, and I'm going to take a minute on this and not go too much longer. Western Christianity has created sort of a, like an emboldened an emboldened kind of prophetic that doesn't mind being wrong. And there's a number of reasons why. There's this almost like, in America, we argue about politics and we put our opinion out there, so I'll just put my prophecy out there. And so, so many people are and so many people are missing it. And so they don't realize that they're, they're hurting people. And their integrity is coming into question very quickly. And we don't have to either go all or nothing. If you really feel the Lord wants you to make a prophetic statement, you don't have to say, thus says the Lord, I am a prophet of God. This is going to happen on May 10th. Don't do that ever. <laughs> and I mean, just say, hey, guys, um, gosh, I had a dream last night and the Cubs won the World Series. Maybe the Cubs are going to win the World Series. I don't know. I just had this dream. And then if it happens, people will be like, unreal, you had a dream and it happened. But if you do the kind of the, the song and dance charade thing, and I'm a prophet, ah, and it doesn't happen, then everybody's like, what? what? So I, I really urge us as, as, as Jesus' disciples, as his church, and anybody watching on Facebook, facebook or hearing the recording just when you have feel like you got a prophetic word just be so humble about it if it's right people will know that was god you don't have to say some big like i've got a title i'm the big deal like don't do any of that i have watched this for 20 years it's like i've had people introduce themselves to me i am prophet blah 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 no one cares. Like, why do that? Like, I'm a pot. Don't do that. <laughs> just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Derek. Hey, man, I just felt like I should pray for you real quick. And then pretty soon they're just crying because it was what God wanted to say to them. So do you get what I'm saying? Sorry, I hope I'm connecting. Is it, all right, I'm being pretty raw tonight. I, I say these things because I see them escalating. I see there are false Christs. I see people being influenced by sketchy personalities. And it's like, I don't even know if that person's saved. And, and then I hear all these false prophecies. And, and I, I, I really don't want to be um, insensitive or mean by saying this, but I, I know a lot of people who predicted Donald Trump would win the presidency. I know a lot of people. And I even posted an article on my, the notes from last week so many people wrongly prophesied that. And some of them apologized. Many did not. And I find that to be, um, I find that to be very irresponsible. And I just would, any of us, if we would ever you know, say, hey, I know who's going to be president, blah, and it's not them, we got to own that super hard and we got to apologize to the people we influence and just sit for a season and just, God, why did I get that so wrong? And why was I so energized and so angry? And now it's not. Just hear me out on that because I just think if we want to, 
You know, Jesus said he's going to pour out his spirit on his sons and daughters and they will prophesy. And, and it's like, but, but there's a responsibility. We can't just say whatever we want. And then, oops, sorry, I got that wrong, and everybody's hurt now. And but, but here's my other prophecy. It's like, it's not a game. Like I've seen people so wounded by this stuff, and they're and it hurts them for not just a day, like years, and they don't know who they can trust. When like, well, I thought this guy was right on, but then he started getting weird, and he's not really backing down, and now he's saying even weirder stuff, and. Is this making sense? I hope it is because I've, I feel like for the last three years I've lived in this world where it's like we as a nation went to a whole other level of I'm just going to say whatever I want. And words have consequences. Prophecies have consequences. And I, I just would not want anybody that was, you know, within the few people I influenced to feel like it's okay to just say wrong things. Because at some point, Heaven looks down and says, you're false. That's false. And I would never in my life want to fall into the category of, gosh, I started off sincere, but now I'm a false prophet. Nobody wakes up in the morning going, I want to be a false prophet. I want to be a false Christ. (laughs) I hope not. Hopefully no one in this room is like, well, I do. No. But it happens over time, and I just want to, it's like I want to, if I could, just corral the church and just reel us back in and go, okay, we've lost our way a little bit. I was so blown away. There was one man who I didn't know at all. His name is Jeremiah Johnson. I didn't know of him at all until I saw this article, but he was a very prominent person in the prophetic movement, and he had predicted all kinds of things that did not come true, and he actually owned it. And he said, guys, I was so off. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to end my ministry for a while because I feel that response. And I just was shocked. I was reading, it was like a Washington Post article. Like, you know, when the Washington Post picks up on that, that's pretty heavy. And he, he sat down and I go, there's a guy that's, that's true. Like he missed it, but then he realized he missed it. And so he's like going to really get his life back in order. But if we don't, at some point recognize we can get into false prophetic rate uh, false prophet territory and then anyway that was a little a uh, little bit more than i planned on sharing but but he said it he said there'd be false christ he said there'd be false prophets he there will be this growing falsehood and you know if the enemy's going to release falsehood what's jesus going to do in the church there's going to be a spirit of truth among his people. More than ever before, more than any time in history, God's people will be deep in the truth of the word. We will understand what's real. We will have wisdom and discernment. Again, we got to dig in the word to get it. We have to resist the deceptions that are coming from every angle. But I truly believe Jesus wants the church to be that one entity that's speaking with clarity about things because people are going to be confused and being you know, tempted to be drawn astray to all these weird things out there. And I really think that if we take these words seriously, we know they're coming, we're going to be like, wow, gosh, if there's going to be all this falsehood, I want to be able to, you know, like it, um, I have a number of verses there written down at the very bottom, Psalm 15, 12, 
Psalm 15, uh, 2, sorry, it's the, the, the psalmist is saying, who can abide in the tabernacle? Who can stay in the presence of God? And one of the things he says is, he speaks the truth in his own heart. He, he has this inner narrative in his, in his mind and in his emotions of what's true. He's not thinking of all these wrong things. So that's, a, that's important. John 8, 32, Jesus says, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. The problem with falsehood or conspiracies or propaganda is we, we're not free. Lies, falsehood, conspiracies, misinformation, all these things, we're, our freedom is so limited. But if we know the truth, we have such a, uh, such a freedom. Uh, John 16, 13, another verse on the truth, Philippians 4, 8, Second. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, actually in John 16.13, Jesus says one of the roles or the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into truth, which I find interesting. Actually, John's gospel says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And how many people have claimed to be under the anointing of the spirit and then said something false? The spirit of truth would say something true. So we got to understand that there is a false anointing on people because they're saying all these false things. That is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is spirit of truth. He's leading us to truth. Um, Philippians 4, 8. Someone say that. Do you have a, a Bible open or something? Or do you got that in front of you? Um, it says, I forget how it starts, but he goes down a list of things Man, you're a scholar. Okay, you did that fast, bro. <laughs> He's okay. Philippians four eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, if any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul is saying, bro. He doesn't say bro. <laughs> that was my version, Derek Kissner version again. The first thing on the list, if anything is true, think on that. How much stuff out there is just, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, we live in, there's so much information. I think if Paul would have known the amount of information we would have access to, like, I just think, how much easier would it have been to just have no internet and no social media and just, you got your, like, four books you can read and, but, so Paul, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if it's true, if it's beautiful, if it's lovely, if it's good, if it's excellent, meditate, meditate. In fact, I learned something this week. I try to learn one thing a week. Um, I was sort of joking, but, but true. The word meditate has this idea of speaking to yourself. Meditation is not just a mental exercise. It's almost like a, a dialogue. Lord, help me to understand. It's like a speaking to your own heart, using your own voice, talking to yourself in a, in a spiritual way. I know it might sound weird, but meditation, it's, not, it's more than just a mental exercise. It, it's to, to use all of our faculties. And so there's times where, Lord, help me to believe what's true. Help me to fill my mind with these things. Now, here's the challenge. There's so much out there. I'm going to land this plane really quick. Good to see you, brother. 
There's so much information out there that's not true, it's not beautiful, it's not excellent, and we just have to learn to just click out of it or all these pop-ups, click, you know, and we just have to learn sometimes just even just pause on all the information and just get in the Word, get into things, you know, things that are beautiful, things that move us, you know, beautiful music, beautiful art, scenery, things like that, just to clear away the clutter how many times have, I mean, this has happened to me. I'm having a great day. I pop open Twitter for 10 seconds and I'm like so offended. I'm like, what happened to me? Ah, the world's on fire and I'm angry. What? It's like, how did this happen? You know, it's like I'm just eating my breakfast, having a great day. And then I just see, uh, and it's like, I don't, can't handle this. So sometimes I just have to take a break. Maybe you guys know how to do this better than I do. It's so important that we, we, we understand there is going to be this escalation of falsehood. That's kind of my main high-level point is Jesus emphasized this, but by implication, we know that he's going to raise up a church that is so like fluent in truth. We're going to be walking with the Spirit who is the Spirit of truth. We're going to be deep in the Word. We're going to endure. We're going to... We're going to endure to the end because we're going to be a people who know, love, esteem, and speak what's true. I remember in the Berean uh, community, remember what happened among them. Paul shows up. I mean, imagine Paul, the apostle, comes to your town. And they, they wanted to make sure Paul was speaking the truth. And so they did like a follow-up Bible study after Paul spoke. Bless you, Souders. I think, man, if Paul showed up at the Greater Pure House of Prayer and gave me a sermon on something, I would just be like, Paul, you're good. (laughs) That was biblical. But the Bereans even were like, well, we love you, Paul. We know you're an apostle and you're starting to write the Bible. (laughs) We're still going to check to make sure this is true. And I just think that's such a good heart. Like we, we love what's being said out there by our favorite preachers and we, we love, but we just, we want to see it in the Bible. We want to, you know, make sure that it's there. I think I've covered what I've wanted to cover. So let me just end right there. Amen. Amen. And uh, let me just say a quick prayer and then we'll just get in the, we'll get in the middle here for a moment and pray for one another. But, but Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. And I pray, Lord, knowing these truths would help us to endure to the end. That might be to the end of our life. That might be to the moment you come back one day in the sky. But I pray for a church that has endurance. Lord, help me, help us in this room, help those watching or listening to have a an ability to persevere over time. And and we see what you said, Lord. We see that there would be false Christ, there would be false prophets, there would be falsehood. And so give us all the more the knowledge of the truth. Help us to know your word. I read Psalm 1 this week and it said, blessed is the man who meditates day and night on your law. God, help us to be a people morning and night who study your word so that we're fruitful like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I thank you for this word tonight. I pray that you would just, Holy Spirit, breathe life into our hearts. Breathe life on these seeds and, uh, and, and cause them to grow. 
In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.